Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David begins a new sermon series called Strange Stories. That's in the Bible. Let's listen. Admit it. There are times where you're reading through the Bible and you go, wait a second. That's in there? I didn't realize that story was in there. And it makes sense because the Bible is thousands of years old. It was written over a long span of time by dozens of different authors. So there will be times where you read something that you don't understand. So we thought it would be fun to explore together as the community of faith some of those stories. I'll draw your attention particularly to this lower picture right here of a donkey. That has to do with today's strange story. But first, as we begin our time together, I want to share with you a different picture. Yeah, they say pictures are worth a thousand words, right? Well, this picture is going to be of my daughter, Gemma. She's a year old in the picture, and she is bawling her eyes out. Now, what I'd like for you to do is put on your detective hats and try to determine what is causing her to cry, okay? All right, let's go ahead and show the picture. So there's Gemma. You can see it's not just a little tear. It is a big cry that she's having. Tell me, what do you notice? You can raise your hand or shout it out. Yes, Kate. You notice the dog. That's right. So my dog Annie is in the background of the photo. That's right. That's right. What else do you notice? Her cup's on the floor. That's not where cups belong. That's right. Cups are usually up top. Anything else? What else do you notice? The food is on the tray. So here's what happened. My daughter Gemma loves graham crackers, and she had one in each hand. And then my dog Annie walked up, <laughs> and Gemma thinks, oh, I'm friends with the dog. Look, this is what I'm eating. Well, the dog thinks, oh, great, thank you for the food. She snatched it. She's still eating it in the corner, and my daughter Gemma is devastated. I think both at her losing the graham cracker and also the betrayal of the dog. I'm like, I thought we were friends. I wonder sometimes if my puppy Annie could talk, what would she say? I mean, would she try to defend herself? Or would she say, oh yeah, no, I'm a dog. This is what I do. I, I eat food if it's offered in front of me. Many of us in this room have pets, and I know you've wondered sometimes, okay, if you could talk, what would you be saying right now? What would your personality be? Well, in our strange story of scripture that we're studying today, there's going to be a pet that can actually talk. Although the owner isn't very interested in what the pet has to say. So there's your little teaser for where we're headed. Let me give you the context of our story. This story is from the Old Testament, from the book of Numbers, starting in chapter 22. And there were two kingdoms, the kingdoms of Moab and Midian. They created an alliance with one another because they saw this other kingdom over here that they were worried about. This other kingdom was Israel. And Israel in this time period was a bit of an up-and-coming kingdom. They were growing in numbers and in force. 
And so Moab and Midian got together and said, ooh, if they ever decide to attack us, we're not going to be able to defend ourselves. They are too big. I need to introduce you to two characters in this story. The first character is Balak, and Balak is the king of Moab. So Balak, he looks at his army, he realizes it's not big enough to compete with the Israelites, and so he has to come up with some sort of way to gain a military advantage. He comes up with something quite creative, actually. Balak says, well, what if I hire a prophet? And what if I have that prophet proclaim a curse on Israel? That, that would give my military an advantage. So now I introduce you to our second character, Balaam. Balaam is a prophet for hire. Now that probably sounds strange to you because most of the prophets in the Bible simply share whatever God tells them to say, but not every prophet. No, Balaam will pronounce blessings or curses on anybody for the right amount of money. The king of Moab sends a delegation to Balaam and comes up with this proposal to curse the Israelite people for the right amount of money. Here's where our story begins in Numbers chapter 22, verse 5. This is Balak, uh, the king of Moab, speaking. A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people, because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know, speaking to Balaam, that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. Yes, he believes that if Balaam is able to curse the Israelite people, then they will be given a chance on the open battlefield. Now, Balaam shows a little bit of wisdom here. He tells the delegation, okay, I'm not going to decide anything right now. Instead, I want you to spend the night, and then I'm going to go to God in prayer. I'm going to pray to God tonight, and God's going to tell me what to do. And so he does. If you continue reading the story, Balaam goes to God in prayer. And God says, don't curse the Israelites. They're God's people. They're my people. No, you should not be cursing them. And so he wakes up and says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to curse the Israelites. And they say, well, what if we give you more money? And he says, okay, I will go and curse the Israelites. So our story continues when he goes back with the delegation and they are traveling to Moab to meet with King Balak. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. All right, so God sends an angel, and the angel has a job to impede Balaam as he's going on this path down to Moab. So the angel is standing right in the middle of the road as they are walking towards him. But what's interesting is that Balaam, the prophet, cannot see the angel that's standing right in front of him. The story is supposed to get the audience who's reading the story, that's us, to ask themselves a question. We're all supposed to ask ourselves a question, well, what are we not seeing in our lives? 
Are there things sometimes that are standing right in front of our face that we just don't have the eyes to see? We're going to explore that question a little bit more in a bit. But for right now in the story, Balaam cannot see the angel that's standing right there smack dab in the middle of the road. But his donkey can. The story goes on. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Ah, the plot thickens, doesn't it? All right, many of you are familiar with the famous Dutch painter Rembrandt. Well, Rembrandt painted this scene, and I wanted to show it to you because I think Rembrandt does a really good job of capturing the emotions that are present in this scene in front of you. You have Balaam riding the donkey, and if you look at his face, you just see anger, don't you? He's completely oblivious to any angel around him. He's so focused on the donkey. The donkey's not doing what it's supposed to do. The donkey's supposed to walk on the road, but it's walking off the road, and he is upset. You also see the emotion of the donkey. The donkey's helpless. The donkey knows it's about to get beat, but can do nothing about it. And then you have the angel, and the angel with the sword just raised really high. And I love that Rembrandt put the angel directly behind his shoulder. It's as if the audience who is looking at the painting should say, Balaam, how can you not see this? How can you not see that the angel's right there? But he's completely oblivious. Now, Rembrandt obviously took some artistic license because in the story we're reading, the angel is actually in front of him in the road, not directly over his shoulder. But do you see how the author is setting up this narrative? The author is saying that in this story, those who believe that they are wise in the things of God, i.e. the prophet, do not have eyes to see the divine. But those things that the world considers lowly, i.e. the donkey, do have eyes to see. Let's see how this plays out. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. All right, you're picking up on the pattern of this story, aren't you? A second time, the donkey sees an angel right there in the path. And a second time, Balaam does not. Balaam does not have eyes to see the angel. And so the donkey tries to get out of the way, but there's not much room and ends up smashing Balaam's foot up against the wall. And he does the only thing he can think to do. He continues to beat the poor donkey. You can tell that the story is now moving towards a bit of a climax, can't you? What's going to happen the third time? What's going to happen the third time that the angel stands in its path? Go ahead and guess in your own mind, how is this story going to conclude? We continue reading. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn. 
either to the right or the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? This is such a great story. I really enjoy it. It's strange, but I love the strangeness of this story. My goodness. All right, so there's no getting around the angel this time. The angel is standing in such a narrow part of the road that the donkey realizes, okay, I can't get around. But rather than risk walking up towards the angel with the sword, the donkey just lays down right where it is. And Balaam still cannot see. Balaam still does not know that the angel is right there in front of him. He's still focused on his supposedly disobedient donkey and starts beating that poor beast again. But this time, the donkey speaks. Now, we should be clear that the Bible is not saying that all donkeys can talk, right? That's not what we're reading here. Bailey, I know you have a donkey. Have you ever heard Beamer talk? No, exactly. Donkeys don't talk. But in this story, we're told that the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. This is the Lord's doing. Now, there's meant to be a bit of humor in the way that this story is written, where God is using the lowly things of the world to get this mighty prophet's attention. And the donkey's first words are, what have I ever done to you? I thought it was a good donkey. Why are you beating me? And the humor continues because I would think that Balaam would just be astonished that his donkey is talking and just go, oh my goodness, I I didn't know you could talk. But instead, Balaam just engages in a conversation. He just responds to the donkey. Here's what he says. Balaam answered the donkey, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Ah, so Balaam's got a bit of an anger issue to add on to all of his issues. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. So at this point in the story, both the donkey and Balaam are lying side by side in the road together. Can you imagine if you were a witness to this scene? If you were just walking by and you couldn't see the angel either, but you saw a donkey and its master just lying down on the ground in the middle of the road, it would be quite the scene. But I hope that you're noticing the pattern here. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. This is the Lord's doing. And when his eyes were open, he was able to see what was standing in front of him the whole time. In this case, an angel wielding a sword. So what's the moral of this story? Why was this story kept in the Bible as part of the Israelites' sacred scripture? Why is it a part of our canon to this day? 
was I had fun exploring this story this past week and, and thinking about why it was kept and what it means for the faith community today, I, I, I think I came up with this. I think the moral of this story is that God is willing to use anything to get our attention. Even a donkey, in the case of Balaam. Yes, God is trying to get our attention. But how often do we walk through life with blinders on? Uh, too often, we're like Balaam, aren't we? Where we don't see what's right there in front of us. I know I'm guilty of that. Where I wake up each day and I think of my to-do list. I think of the things that I'm going to get done. I look at my calendar and my schedule. But am I missing God and the ways that God is trying to get my attention? The ways that God is trying to say, hey, I'm doing something in your life as well. I think that God often speaks, and we miss it if we're not intentionally listening. So the question the story wants us to ask is, do we have the eyes to see what God is doing in the world? Let me give you an example of how I believe we can begin to develop the ability to notice God in action. You may have heard of St. Benedict. He lived in the 5th century, and he created a monastery that is still to this day one of the largest monasteries in the world. He decided to live set apart from the rest of the world and try to grow in faithfulness to God. And other people were attracted to that and said, well, I want to live with you as well. And he ended up creating a community of anyone who wanted to live apart from the world and just practice living in God. But he came up with a series of rules. You may have heard of the rule of St. Benedict. The idea was, okay, if we're going to be in an intentional community together, then we have to have agreed-upon rules that we all follow that will help us grow in faithfulness. Can you guess what the very first rule of St. Benedict was? It's not to pray. That would be my guess. If you're starting this community that's focused on being faithful Christians, I would think you'd say, okay, this is a prayer-filled community. But it wasn't. It wasn't prayer. It's not to worship either. And they worship a lot. I mean, they worship nine times a day. We worship, I don't know, once a week. And they, every single day, were saying, here are the nine times that we're going to focus our attention on God. But that wasn't the first rule either. The very first rule of St. Benedict is to listen. And not to listen to one another, although that's a good thing to do, but to listen to God. Because we need to understand and acknowledge that God is speaking, that God is active in this world if we have the eyes to see and the ears to listen. And the way he wrote it, I think, is particularly beautiful. He said, to listen with the ear of the heart. So we're not listening with our normal ears, because our normal ears pick up all sorts of things that are happening in the world. Some helpful and pertinent, and some not. But no, he said, we must listen with the ears of our heart, because it's to our heart that God most often speaks. Listening for God's sweet whisper is an attentive act. It's not passive. 
We shouldn't just go through our lives hoping that we hear from God. Instead, we seek to be attentive to the ways that God is speaking. If you commit to listening for God, here's what that will look like. You'll be at a social gathering, and you'll see everybody in one kind of corner having fun and laughing with one another. But then your gaze will go to the other side of the room, and you'll notice one person standing alone, isolated by themselves. Right? There's always one person at a social gathering that feels disconnected. And you'll want to just join your friends and have fun and laugh with them, but God will speak into your heart. You'll feel and sense that small whisper drawing you towards the person who's alone, the person who feels like an outsider to the group. And you'll go to them. You'll engage with them and even help them engage with the larger group. That is what it looks like to listen with the ear of your heart. Or perhaps you'll hear that someone is upset with you, and you get upset at that because you go, well, it's not my fault. They're in the wrong, not me. And you feel your blood begin to boil. Resentment starts coursing through your body, and you'll want to try to, you know, in your own head, have a conversation with them about all the ways that they're wrong and you're not. But then you'll hear that still small whisper in your heart, and God will slowly lead you towards reconciliation with that person, with whatever that looks like, instead of being angry and harboring grudges against them. Or let's say you're at home and you notice something that your spouse was supposed to do but left undone. Maybe it's the dishes, maybe the floors are dirty, and you're tired, and you don't have time for this, and you are automatically thinking of how you want to tell them this was not done correctly. Uh, maybe it's a snide comment or an offhanded remark. But then God will whisper to your heart, and you will respond in grace instead. And you'll realize you're both tired, and you're both just doing the best you can. This is what it looks like to listen with the ears of your hearts. It is acknowledging that God does speak. I believe that God often speaks, but God rarely shouts. So we need to be attentive to God's voice and listening to the ways that God's speaking to our hearts because God will guide you. God will lead you through this life. Well, Balaam Balaam could not see that angel up until the very end. And I want to share with you how his story concludes, because I think it's a wonderful conclusion to this very humorous story. So here's how Balaam's story ends up. It says, Then the angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you, because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me, again, he had the eyes to see, and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. He did not have the eyes to see. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with these men, but speak 
only what I tell you to speak. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. Well, Balaam finally has his eyes open to the divine that was standing right in front of him. And when he's made aware of God's presence, he says, okay, I know I'm wrong. I will turn around and go right back where I came from. And God comes up with a plan B. God says, no, actually, I do want you to go with them. But I only want you to say what I tell you to say. Now, if you go home and continue reading this story, which I hope you do, it's in Numbers chapter 22 through 24, what you'll find is that Balaam goes with them, stands in the very presence of the king, King Balak, and God whispers to him, I want you to bless the Israelites. And in scripture, there's this long, beautiful blessing that Balaam pronounces right there in the king's presence. Three times he blesses the Israelites instead of cursing them. It's really a a beautiful story. Finally, Balaam has eyes to see God in the world. And I hope we do too. Because God is at work in every moment of every day. God is at work through this church, through our community, even through your lives as individuals. Yes, one of the great joys of our life should be simply watching the ways that God works in our world, but it will only happen if we have the eyes to see. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.